Kia ora koutou, no mai hoki mai ki te uh, flight of the next podcast. We are back again today with a very special guest who's coming to us from the east coast of the mighty US of A. Um, and so before we progress, we'll just do a quick round. So if you've been watching a little while, you know that I'm Jonathan, based here in Brooksorua, fan of the Knicks. And I also have... My New York, New Jersey, Gotham scarf right here, which hangs on my wall in my office. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of a, a preview to what we're going to be talking about today. Also on the call, we've got our friend Denise, who's from also from the US, both East Coast and West Coast, who's now living in Topol. And Holly, who's kind of, I think she's originally from the central, center of the North Island, but is currently over in Brisbane. Um, ahead of the game this week. So we have got with us today Jen. Jen is a part of Cloud9. Cloud9 are the supporters group for the Gotham um, FC, which is the New Jersey, New York women's team in the NWSL. They went from last in 2022 to winning the league in 2023. And in the current offseason, they are buying up anyone and everyone that they can to ensure that they go for another run at their championship next year. But this, we'll just kind of leave there and we'll just, um, Jen, tell us a, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Jen Mahler. I'm a board member for Cloud9. Uh, as you said, the supporters group for Gotham. Um, I'm also a member of the Empire Supporters Club, which is a supporters group for uh, the New York Red Bulls. Good on you. So, hi, Jen. Hey. <laughs> Fellow New Yorker here. I was born nice. in Poughke Poughkeepsie up the Hudson River. Um, you know, it, it's been a, a pretty exciting year for you. Um, tell us, but let's go back. You know, we're, we're a supporters club with the Flight of the Knicks, and Holly's part of a, a supporters club called Flight of the, um, I'm sorry, Little Corner of Yellow. <laughs> Um, actually, interestingly enough, Flight of the Knicks refers to this um, show about New York and, and Kiwis called Flight of the Concords. I don't know if you ever heard of that show. I've, I've watched it, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a nod to New York meets uh, New Zealand there. Um, but what is your role with the team? Like, what does a board member do? What, what, what does all that mean? And um... what is a supporters group even? Yeah, so a supporters group is a lot of things. Um, part social club. Uh, some people like to call us a booster club, but we're not. I don't know. I don't like that term. Uh, we're the people that make noise. We're the people that create atmosphere at games. Uh, drums, singing, sometimes brass instruments, uh, banners, TIFO, flags, all of that. What's a TIFO? So a TIFO is um, basically a display. Um, you know, we have regular banners that hang all game, but a TIFO is usually a larger display. Like ours are about 40 feet by 50 feet. Um, usually done before the game. Uh, it takes us sometimes a couple weeks to, to do, and it's hung for a few minutes. <laughs> um, but it's it's basically just a, a large display. Some teams also do card stunts, like if you ever see, um, you know, people holding up, like creating a mosaic or something like that. But it's basically a, a display. Jonathan? I, I had to ask Denise a few months ago, what's a TIFO? And when I saw one, and it was one of the Gotham ones and had like the Statue of Liberty hand with the flame, I was like, Wowzers, those are huge. And like, and then they, then someone did like the, the making the background, and it was in this giant warehouse, and there are people everywhere, and there's painting. And when it goes up in the stadium, wow, 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 just incredible. What do you do with them? And also, I'm just curious like, uh, that's probably a fair amount of money in terms of paint and organization. So, uh, what goes on behind the scenes here? Yeah, so we have. Our, you know, we call it our three-headed TIFO crew monster. There's three of us that do the design um, and the prep work. And then we have folks that, that come and 
and help sketch it out and, and do the painting. Um, we used to work at the stadium, but now we work at my office, which has some warehouse space. Not quite as big as, say, like Portland has, but um, we have a good amount of space and it, it can get expensive. Um, but, you know, we try to we, we do a lot of mixing of our own paints and stuff. So we're not, you know, uh, because that that's pretty much most of the expense. We do it all as ours on plastic, which we're actually looking to uh, find a resource to do to recycle them instead of just trashing them. So. Oh, so they're on like a, a light sort of trash bag kind of plastic? It's or on a like a heavier? six mil, it's six mil, sorry, it's six mil plastic we get from Home Depot. It's like a 20 foot by 100 foot sheet that we cut in half and glue together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, how, how do you get it to the match? Uh, somebody with a, you know, a large trunk or SUV and... And then there, there's a, we have rigging at the stadium. There's a large, lar like a 40 foot pole that, you know, we, we, uh, tape it to and nice. yeah. Nice. And th did the, did the team help you out with the rigging or? Uh, it's part of Red Bull Arena. I mean, it, you know, the, it's part of whatever costs that Gotham pays for rental. Um, part of the reason why we moved our production out of the stadium, because we, we learned that the team was getting uh charged every night we were there so i mean it, it could end up being several thousand dollars so we didn't really want it, that onus on us um so we you know my, my boss lets us work for free so <laughs> that's cool and so our supporters group just like groups that like singing yell and drum i mean is there any other sort of dimension to them yeah, we, we try to do community outreach as well. Um, you know, there's certain things that we do every year, like uh, we just announced a couple of days ago, uh, we take $1 from every membership dues, um, plus additional donations that folks make. And at the end of the year, we donate that to the Players Association. How many members do you have? We have about 200. a fairly large group. Uh, we have 200. Um, not all of them are in the section. We have folks throughout the stadium. We have folks uh, throughout the country. We even have um, some international members. And what's your sort of regular uh, active group turnout for a game? Oh, I'm not good at estimating numbers, but um, maybe between 50 and 100? I don't know. I'm on the I'm on one of the drums, so I really don't see what's behind me. I mean, look for comparison. Um, you know, there's not not quite so many of us. So, uh, uh, the New South Wales supporters group that I'm involved in, we're called the Little Corner of Yellow because we're this often. I'm going to a match that's in Brisbane on uh, up here on Sunday, and it's probably going to be me as like the active support. I know there's other fans going because there's some parents and whatnot. So. That's pretty awesome. Do you think that's sort of comparable to the other supporters groups that are over there in the NWSL or are some bigger, some smaller? There's quite a few that are bigger, especially with the newer teams. Um, you, you know, and I've seen this on the MLS side as well, where you have the 1.0 teams that carry a lot of baggage um, that sometimes it's harder to get that push where the shiny new teams are getting um a, a lot more traction in in media and what have you um so it's it's been, i mean we started with maybe 30 people signed up the first year with maybe 10 people in the section regularly if that so i mean we've come a long way um but you know we're not portland size but honestly that's okay um you know, you, you do, and it's okay to have multiple supporters groups as well. Like we'd be open to, if another group started up, that's fine. Um, but, you know, we try not to um, compare ourselves to other groups. You know, we, we just focus on what we're doing because it's the community that matters. You know, sometimes groups go too big too fast and you, you, can, you can lose the plot, you know. Um, we want everyone to be safe and comfortable. And if that means growing slowly, then we grow slowly. And do you have big 
uh, rivalries with the other supporter groups. I feel like, so for the A-League uh, woman, there's sort of, there's no real rivalry, even when there's like a, a regular rivalry between the men's clubs, because most of the women's clubs are attached to a men's club. There's only one standalone club, which is Canberra United. Uh, people are pretty friendly with each other, but I have heard that there's uh, some quite big rival, like actually intense rivalries between some. Do you guys have a rival? Probably with the spirit, because they're our closest team right now. I mean, Boston's going to be coming in a couple years or a year or two, maybe next year or two years. Um, but the definitely the the spirit squadron and now you know Rose Room Collective, um, just because of our proximity. Um, you know, one year when they were playing at, at a smaller venue called the Plex, I remember we had an eight-hour tailgate with them because of a rain delay. You know, we were just. Um, so, I mean, it's a rivalry, but we're good friends with them. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, roughly sort of the history of uh, Sky Blue and Gotham? Uh, you don't have to go that far into it, but I know that it used to be called Sky Blue. It won the first competition uh, and then there were some issues and it was rebranded. Yes, yeah, so Sky Blue started in the WPS, which was the league before the NWSL. Um, and they, they did win the first championship uh, in that league. Um, and then when the NWSL started, um, they, they joined that first year. Um, yeah, I mean, we played at a, at a uh, college stadium at Rutgers um, with the max capacity of maybe 5,000. But, you know... I started going to games regularly in 2015, and that's when I joined Cloud9, which was just one other person, basically. Um, and yeah, it was rough going. I mean, the only really good thing you could say was that the pitch was nice, you know, had good grass, but um, the locker rooms were atrocious, no air conditioning, no showers. Um, it, yeah, it just wasn't a great venue. Not not at all near any sort of public transportation. Uh, I mean, we're we're a regional team, you know. We're in New York and New Jersey, so uh, yeah, it was rough. And then twenty eight, Sam Kerr spoke up in twenty eighteen after she left. Um, made just a couple comments to the press after a game, and. Um, you know, they started, uh, some journalists started investigating and, and just found, you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean, set the scene. So Sam Kerr, playing for, for Sky Blue, playing at Rutgers University. Um, team's not doing great. She's she's still a star. I mean, she can score four goals in one match, you know, as she did for Sky Blue. But set the scene. So there was, there was some... A lot of issues going on, and yeah. you know what we're what we want to know is like when things aren't good, you know what what is the role of the supporters? Like what what happened with you and this other person who were like suddenly reading these articles? You know that either Dan Laletta or some, uh, some other journalists were writing about some of the conditions. Um, I mean, the first thing you do, we do is you know you. you we question the our contacts in the front office. I mean, the front office was tiny at that point, but um, you know, at, the, at that point, we you know we lost all trust in in the general manager at the time. And once more stuff came out, we we basically um, created a pipeline directly to the players. Um, so we wanted to make sure whatever message we were sending out was truthful, you, you know, was their truth. Um, because a lot of times, you know, players can't really, you know, there's no guarantee contracts. They can't speak out publicly. So we wanted to, to be sure we knew what was going on from a player level and then advocate from there. Um, and one of the things that stuck with us at the end of the season our, our goalkeeper at the time, Kaylin Sheridan, uh, made a comment. Um, I believe it was a Howard Megdell uh, article in Forbes. Um, you know, basically saying that she hopes that, you know, this this story doesn't get lost. 
So we kind of took that and ran in the entire off season every week. We had a weekly rant on Twitter, um, just pushing and pushing for the the ownership in the front office to do something. Um, and a week base, uh, I mean, it was right before the season was about to start. They finally did uh, do something about. Can you be more specific uh, about the well? When we needed, we wanted the, the the general manager out of there because he was just denying everything. You know, like he was trying, still trying to spin things. Yeah. Um, you know, it. We wanted to make sure players had better um, accommodations. I mean, they were living in beach houses, uh, host families. Um, you know, rookies would be put into a, a into a, a beach house, and then you know, once that the the owners are ready to come back, you know, they had to leave. <laughs> you know, it was. Um, we want to make sure their training facilities were were. Uh, you know, uh, up to standards, that that kind of stuff. Um, but the most thing was just, you know, getting leadership in there that was going to do something. Yeah. I mean, I remember those times I was in the States following, you know, this story. Um, Were there, was there a, a consequence? So obviously, um, Cloud9 has a lot of help from the club in terms of being allowed in, being setting up. So you've got like, that the club has to have the goodwill to give you or the relationship to give you, say, access to the stadium and stuff like that. could be quite easy to push out a supporters group uh, or punish a supporters group. So did, did that happen at all? No. Wow. Um, I'm surprised. Our, 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 we were most vocal at once the season ended. Um, and we were, uh, many of us were, hadn't renewed our season tickets. So we were trying to use that leverage. Um, we were still deciding on what to do for that home opener. Um, you know, when when the G general manager was finally uh, let go. Um, but we knew we had the leverage because we had not only other Sky Blue fans with us, we had other groups in the league and other groups even in other in men's leagues with us as well um so we i think we definitely had the leverage that's good I, one of the things that's been a great deal of uh discussion uh over here in australia and new zealand with the a-leagues has been uh fan involvement and uh one thing that happened was late last year the league decided to and we can talk about this because I know that the NWSL does it in a certain way, but basically over here the grand final is not set in one place and in advance. The team has to earn the grand final, so you can earn the grand final and that's at home, and that's been the case forever. Uh, the league unanimously decided to stop that, and they sold the grand final off to Destination New South Wales, meaning that. For the three years, it would be based in Sydney. And it didn't matter whether Perth earned a grand final or Wellington earned a grand final. It was going to be in Sydney. And fans were very angry that that had been sprung upon them. And then there was this, there were these protests, some of which were effective, some of which were counterproductive. And in the end, the leagues decided to set up fan representation groups for each club and then uh, a central one. And that's still underway at the moment developing that but that is something that has been quite a, a point of discussion and contention within the a-leagues about what power uh fans actually have so when i say a-leagues i mean both the men and the women um so i'm i'm glad to hear that you guys managed to push out a gm because gms have incredible power in a club um are there fan representative groups across the league how do you guys communicate with each other? Is there a chat group? Do you meet? Um, so this is great timing because we're a part of something called the Independent Supporters Council, which um, is comprised of supporters groups across the U.S. and Canada. And that's Women's League, um, you know, NWSL, USLW, um, Men's Leagues, um, MLS, you know, USL. Um also all tiers of the men's league. 
Um, and we actually have a conf we have an annual conference that's coming up in a couple weeks. We'll be going to Montreal this year. Um, and that's sort of like we kind of describe it as like basically a union for supporters groups. Um, there's a board uh, for the ISC and uh, they have contact with all they have contact within all the leagues. So if we have an NWSL issue or question, we can go to the ISC board. They will contact their NWSL reps. Um, and there's two reps from each supporters groups that decides to join. Um, so, and, and we, we chat in our Slack as well. So if something comes up within the league, we have an NWSL channel and we discuss it amongst ourselves and then take any action from there. That's, that's really awesome. I mean, I, lo I love unions uh, and, and that sounds like a really democratic and powerful way to go about things. Um, what counts as a supporters group? Though? Because that's been one other thing that's been a matter of uh, discussion and contention here. And by the way, the protests that the fans did also made the change. So they've, uh, they eventually, after one season, scrapped the grand final deal and it's now become a unite round where every team is playing a match uh, this coming weekend, and that is within Sydney. Uh, but, yeah, what, what counts as a supporters group? Because there's the main supporters group, the main home supporters group for most teams, right? So the Yellow Fever is the Wellington-based supporters group that does the men and the women. We're sort of um, not competing supporters groups, the little corner of Yellow and Flight of the Knicks. But you do wonder whether it is it – do you have to have a name and an identity, or do you have to have a certain size? Like, who gets a seat at the table? Um, that's a great question that has ever evolving answers. Um, for ISC, the word independent carries a lot of weight. So where groups must be independent of their front offices, um, meaning financially, and, and that's, that's not saying that your team can't help you financially in some ways, but I think we actually have a percentage of, of the money that comes in can't, you know, a, a cap on the percentage. Um, uh, so that being independent from the front office is first and foremost. Other than that, I mean, we have groups that have 10 people in it. Um, you know, we vote on who comes into the, um, who we allow as members. Um, and it's not necessarily size, you know, we have provisional stuff too. It's not necessarily size, but it's, it's what's your aim um, as a group. If you're just a social club, I mean, that's not really a supporters group. It's, it's for me, it's having active in-stadium support. And is there a, a national sort of individual supporters group? So uh, there's a Football Supporters Association of Australia just got set up in, uh, in the wake of that grand final agreement uh, debacle and that's an independent one that you can sign up individually. So it's not based around supporters groups. Is there something like that in the States as well? Um, are you saying tied to club or, or no, national Enti team? Entirely, not national team, just anyone. So their idea was any, any football supporter, whether you support the national team, whether you support the men's or the women's clubs, if you're involved in the semi-pro level, grassroots, just basically anyone who considers themselves a football supporter, that they can join as individuals and they would have a representation and, and sort of a seat or a, a voice at the table? Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, it's basically club and country here is, is separated and everything's within its own league, aside from ISC, which is a, an independently run uh, you know, you don't have to join ISC. Um, it's an independently run uh, organization. All right. I'm going to just shift it a little bit more towards the women's game. Um, Gotham FC is a women's team, um, you know, uh, with its own ownership. You know, what do you know about supporters group in the women's game and you know here in new zealand and australia they've they've been pretty pretty adamant that a women's team go with a men's team uh, and that's the movement um with any new team coming into the league um just a few 
just a few thoughts on, you know, that and our supporters group different in the women's side than the men's side. Yeah, so we have a we have a handful of of teams that are have a men's side um, as well. Portland, uh, North Carolina, Houston, Orlando. Um, I mean, you kind of find that the men's team always gets preferential treatment. Um, a lot of times they have shared staff, which can be detrimental. Um, you know, if you don't have your own ticketing people, ops, what have you, um, you're always going to be a, 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 I could say you're usually going to be a second thought, you know, um, as far as their supporters groups, um, you, you know, there's not a blanket statement I can make. I mean, Portland is huge. Their supporters groups are under one umbrella, um, which I guess has its advantages. Um, you know, the other ones have their own kind of separate, you know, are separate from each other. Um, as for the types of support, uh, as we were saying before, I think uh, the women's game is a lot less there's a lot less tribalism. Um, you know, we banter. But we, I don't know if I can curse you, but we shit talk. Um, but, um, you know, there's lines that we don't cross. Um, and when somebody's in trouble, we, you know, we support them. Uh, I, I'm one of the admins for our social media. And, you know, every once in a while, there'll be a picture of our TIFO and there'll be empty seats behind it. You know, it's no secret that we don't, we haven't had great attendance. And once in a while, it's usually a man comes into our mentions and says something about attendance. And I look at their profile, I'm like, oh, okay, they also support an MLS team. Where attendance, you know, shit talk is very common. And I almost don't have to say anything because people who, you know, if somebody from Portland, people who are Thorns fans will come and shoot this person down. It's like, we don't do that here. You know, they recognize that, you know, we all we all need to get better attendance. Like, shit-talking somebody about attendance isn't going to solve anything. You know, that's low-hanging fruit. So you really don't get that kind of talk and what have you in, in the women's game. I think that um, there's a real sense among all women's football fans that, like, the growth of the game and the good of the game as a whole ultimately comes before that tribalism. And it's because we're still, like, it's it's getting better, but it's been an existential fight for a, a long time with women's football, uh, teams folding, leagues fold. I mean, you guys went through quite a few leagues at one point because they kept folding. Uh, so I, that's something that I really like about women's football. Like, if, you know, you can walk into anybody's active, no matter how, you know, angry you are about a certain call or a certain match. And, and that's the... That's still, at the end of the day, the the main thing. Do you think that the the league is pretty healthy as it's growing? It does sound like, I mean, people are spending good money on teams and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, just with the sponsorships coming in, the 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 television deals. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about um, this league going away anytime soon. Let's rewind the clock a little bit. Um, you know, one of the reasons it's healthy now is that it's gone through some reckonings. Um, it just, you know, we've we've talked to even players um, who've played for New Zealand who were who had teammates who played on 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 teams in America who were there during when the Yates report came out and the U.S. Soccer. Um, you know, uh, I'm sorry, the the NWSL Players Association report. Um, you know, even Sky Blue turning to Gotham. I mean, you got a new GM, but then it, it got tricky. I mean, the, there's a lot of um, triggering stuff in the women's game. And I've said it before, it's easy to be triggered as a women's fan because you, you've seen a lot of things and you know over the years that are frankly inappropriate or squashing or you know that a little bit blackmail-ish in that you know your the league will fold if you know something will come out um just take us a little bit through time with 
with Cloud9 and, and what your journey's been with with those years? Yeah, I mean, I think starting out, you know, you always want to, you want to be optimistic. Um, you want to believe that you should trust certain people who are in charge. Um, and then like, you know, our, our, our dealings in 2018 leading into 2019 with like we were saying, um, you know, you kind of find out the ugly truth and you lose faith in people. Then somebody else comes in and that seems, okay, this is turning around. And then that, that turned to shit, <laughs> you know, um, it, there was a lot for us, you know, personally, you know, we had two people who were involved with sky blue Gotham that were, had, were prominently named in those reports. Um, and, and that hurts not just for, you know, our own dealings with them, uh, but for the players that endured that and that and that we had no idea. I mean, I, I, I kind of felt like we almost went on an apology tour, like just, you know, had we known, you know, we would have said something. And, um, you know, it's just you feel horrible. Um, uh, you know, league wide, not just for our team, but but for others as well. Um, you know, now, um, and I think that's part of, part of the turnaround at Gotham is that they they focus first on creating a safe environment. Yeah, I mean, we've said this a million times on our own pod that if the players aren't safe, then, you know, why bother doing any of this? And... I think I think the the tricky part is you know often these things are confidential too you know and and you, you probably as a supporters group head you you know you see some obscure tweets or you he, hear some obscure or gossip for lack of a better word and you like how do you how do you balance that as like someone who's important in a supporters group um I mean, you kind of have to learn from mistakes. Um, you know, what What I learned is that if someone in power is telling you information that you have no, no business knowing, that there's probably an ulterior motive. You know, um, both, uh, it, it, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I have text messages of, of, of things that I had absolutely no business of knowing. And then looking back, it's like, oh, I was being manipulated. So now you kind of get trigger, you know, uh, gun shy um, as far as trust. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit difficult to navigate. And whatever, I mean, rumors online, you just kind of have to tune out. Um I don't know. I don't know quite, yeah. quite yeah, how to put it. It's 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 not easy. Um, but that's where the community part of it comes in. You know, we yeah. have a Discord that has really helped folks kind of deal with some of the tougher situations. So do you do you talk amongst yourselves around it, or you know, and and how? And you know, there's there's a lot of strong personalities in these kind of supporters groups, right? I mean, that's kind of part of the fun is, you know, you get these fervent people who really, you know, like enjoy getting into the thick of 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 what it is to support athletics and a group of people on the pitch, but also a group of people having fun. You know, what how do you how do you navigate differences of opinions on that kind of thing? Well, you know, um, so you hear something and someone's, you know, wants to investigate further. Uh, you let folks talk it out as much as, you know, up to a certain point. Um, I, I mean, we're, we have thankfully a pretty good group that doesn't get too into the weeds on, you know, personal, the, the personal life gossip of players and, and what have you. Um, you know, if something like that pops up, we're, we're, we try to be quick to shut it down and just kind of remind people, like, look, this isn't the place. Um, 
but you know if people have differences we just let them talk it out i mean folks are you know once in a while somebody can get a little out of out of line but there's enough folks to to bring them back down um and just let them know what kind of community this is and if it's not for them maybe you know they shouldn't be here yeah i mean that sounds adult normal adult new york new jersey behavior you know that we have ways of just talking things through and making our arguments and either the arguments land or they don't land um but um you know i'm 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 glad that there are ways of processing you know these these various things cuz i know when i had heard things about i read the yates report um i read some of these reports and they were horrifying absolutely horrifying and um it would have been nice to have you know a, a gang of of people rather than just twitter <laughs> to to support me through it um yeah Jonathan yeah Holly? Oh, okay go ahead okay uh, i like the online communities are can be very toxic but if you do it right um you know that they can be truly life-changing which which i hope that's that's what we've accomplished what do you wish uh what would you like supporters groups to do or be able to do? Um, this is very, very, very broad, but if you could have your three wishes, it doesn't have to be three wishes, but if you, if you could have some wishes about how supporters groups function or how clubs function or anything like that, like what, what would be ideal for you if you could change some things in the league and supporters groups and how they function? Uh, I mean, transparency would be one um teams i mean gotham is is getting better at that um the league is getting better at that but um yeah trans transparency is first and foremost um oh boy uh i think there's a lot I'm of ways in which if we want to talk about the league uh yeah. so rather than just supporters groups well, I think there's some similarities between the A-League women and the NWSL, but one that I think does affect player welfare in a way is there's this drafting and trading scheme uh, where players don't really have a lot of say in where they play in a lot of ways. And I think that's quite a foreign idea to most of the rest of the football world. I mean, and, and this, this is the thing, it's like women female footballers have particularly precarious working conditions because they don't get paid enough that they can just go somewhere where they're not getting paid or, or things like that. Like financially, they're precarious for sure. And that also stops people from speaking out. But at least there's some say in the rest of the football world. It's like, I do not want to play for X club. Even if it's the only contract I'm offered, I'm not going, right? Whereas with the, the trading and the drafting, I... It, it's just, I think it's kind of bizarre that that's how it happens. I think it's sort of supposed to be some kind of even, evening out the league thing. But I just feel like that's such a trap of like making people stuck in working conditions that aren't appropriate. Yeah, it's a very American thing. Um, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us would like to abolish the draft. Um, I think, and I'm not as familiar um uh, of the situation outside the u.s but college soccer is huge here so that's sort of where the draft emanates from um but uh, yeah i think we're all kind of done with it um especially at the expansion draft um the good news on that is that there's now a, a cba um, and free agency, um, which is how Gotham got all these players. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, let me explain a little bit about that. You know, the, the, so the CBA is kind of, you know, the, the document that was put together and agreed upon by the league, by the players union. 
And it's like a set of rules. And so they just didn't want to abolish this sort of contract uh, situation at an instant and, and have it a free for all. So it was based on tenure who could be a free agent and how long they've been in the league. And, you know, that it's kind of a half solution to it. Um, but right now, the teams that are attractive with their management um, are getting the players. And, and Jen, what, what suddenly made the last team in the league last year attractive? Uh, well, championship. <laughs> <laughs> championship um and jonathan's it, gonna jump in he's ready <laughs> oh go ahead please lynn williams ali krieger uh gina nyswanger uh mitch purse uh juan carlos amoros shall we keep going i mean all of these things it, it's like it it's from where I sit, it's the culture, and when you win, people want to be in there. People want to be in a winning culture. And yell Averbush. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's been working miracles. Uh, but it, so, probably the best hire this, this club has ever made. Tell us what an effective GM looks like in women's soccer. I mean, it's Yael, right? Um, you, she's a former player, so she knows their struggles and what what they want. Um, she's from New Jersey, right? So she knows this market. Uh, she's smart as hell. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's it's, and I don't know if you read anything that came out today, um, but a lot of it, it's not free agency. Isn't always about who's offering the most money. You know, it is about this culture that was, uh, that that's being created, and it comes a lot of it comes down to investment. I mean, we've never had a coaching staff this large, um, and you you know they're doing scouting. They have you know people running statistics. It's uh, it, investment is is a huge piece of it, and Gotham is finally not only it, bringing the investors in and spending the money. No, that's exciting. I mean, it gives us hope. <laughs> the Knicks are in, they were in last yeah. place last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go for it, John. Just a little, just a little side clip. It's interesting because when we 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 decided to, yeah, we could be doing some work around women's football. We thought, oh, we'll pick up a team in the NWSL. We're right about them. So we're doing match previews. So I was like, oh yeah, there's this team. Oh, this young lady, Gina Nicewander, she's great. And Denise is like, who, who, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. That's who, Denise. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? We only had two draft. We drafted two players last year, as opposed to years before, where we drafted five, six players. You know, we had five, six draft picks, and maybe you know two or three would make the roster and get no playing time. Um, whereas last season, we flipped draft picks for players and and allocation money. Um, you know, just, we're just making smarter choices. So there are not really academies in the sense of everywhere else, because I think the, the college system kind of picks up the, the work of the academies. I mean, is that the case or are, are there pros and cons to that? Uh, there's in the past, a lot of young people from Australia and New Zealand who were playing football would go to the college system. And there are definitely advantages to the college system, particularly getting an education, but there are also disadvantages compared to actually just going and starting a professional career right away. How does the, how do you feel about the college system and the role that it plays in the NWSL? Um, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, you know, the NCAA, which is the organization that, rules over all college sports um it, it is isn't great <laughs> um i would love to see an academy system on the women's side um i think it's been great on the men's side for mls you know i'm a red bulls fan and they have you know one of the best academies in the country um you know you get these homegrown players 
um, which, I mean, we love when we sign somebody from this area, you know, it's just gives, gives us a little extra boost. Um, but yeah, I'm not a big, like I have, I, I have no problem with, with, you know, the, the U18s, um, you know, the kids that go right from high school to, to the pros, um, you know, I don't think you're, yeah, I mean, it's a different, they, it's, it's a different game. I mean, they count down the clock. There's unlimited substitutions. You know, they're not playing the game that, that they're playing at the pro level. So if we could get an academy system where you can you can build kids into your system, your playing style from the start, I mean, that would be huge. Yep. I agree. I mean, I think the, the Phoenix has a very good academy. Um, but I'm both... Uh the the girls and the boys side and it makes a big difference um with the pipeline coming in and who they're discovering from this little country so uh a few last questions uh where were you during the women's world cup this past year um uh sleeping <laughs> uh, the game the u.s game the, i think the two u.s games are on you know while i was awake i watched but to be honest uh i was asleep um yeah I, I look i'm club over country not that i look not that i don't support the u.s national team i do there's games in the area i absolutely go in the supporter section uh i'm a member of sammers which is a, a a national team supporters group um but i wasn't getting up at that time i just i just couldn't we had several members uh in new zealand and australia though Oh, neat. Yeah. But we've next, had a bit of glee. Next year when you watch. Yeah. I was going to say, we felt a bit of glee that uh, everybody else was having to suck up doing the two o'clock in the morning games because <laughs> over here, we're usually the ones that cop that. So, uh, so fair enough. Are you right? Fair enough. I mean, uh, and bless you for, for getting up, you know, uh, when the games are over here. Uh, I just, I'm old and can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, next year you'll only just need to go down the road to a New York to, to the Gotham match because I tell you it's going to be stacked. But carry on. <laughs> what do you uh, again? Another fun question. What do you think of the Club World Cup idea? I love it. I've been wanting it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's the best team in the world? Gotham. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, the next night. <laughs> Cool. Any other fun questions? Yeah. Oh, I, I, bring it, Jonathan. So, so how how pre-written or how pre-scripted are the chants and the drums? Because you're standing looking at the sides. So I get you're looking at the crowd or at the players when you're drumming. I mean, that must take a bit of concentration. And practice. That's the other thing. Practice. We're trying to get Holly to be more engaged with the chanting bit. So, we're, you know, we're encouraging her to practice. Yeah. So I'm not a trained drummer in the slightest. I learned by watching other people um, and just picking up sticks and doing it. Um, I mean, we have a we have a set list. Not that we do it in order every game, but we have a chant sheet and. You know, we have a channel in our Discord where we discuss new songs and what have you. We have our capos and, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we have a lot of stuff that we've tried and failed and, uh, you just kind of have to just do it, you know, and it's okay to borrow songs from other clubs or, you know, we all, we all steal from each other, so... <laughs> um, you'll probably have to make up a song about Crystal Dunn. I mean, you know, yeah, we're signing. working on it. We're working <laughs> you... on it. Yeah, I think I'll... two or three words rhyme with Dunn, so I think oh, you're... Yeah. you're good with that. And you've been ripping them from uh, OL Rain uh, with uh, Rose Lavelle and oh, Sonnet. Yeah. yeah, congratulations on that. I mean, thank you. That's those are two hilarious people. <laughs> Actually, three hilarious people between Dunn, Sonnet, and Lavelle. I mean, they're they're funny people. We already have Kelly O'Hara. It's just going to be maximum <laughs> chaos. Maximum <laughs> chaos. I mean, letting them loose in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> 
And and uh, just a few things like what are your feelings at the end of a game? You know, after you've done and you know, like how, you know, what what how do you what what's the cool thing about being a supporter? Um, I mean, it's the people around you. You know, the people next to you. Um, we we say we're we're your instant soccer friends. You know, we've had so many people that come in by themselves. Um, and, and they get stuck in because they know the same people are going to be there week in, week out. Um, so just seeing everybody, no matter what the outcome is, you know, you spent a day at this beautiful stadium with your friends making noise, whether we win or lose, you know, you kind of take that to heart. Um, I mean, by the end of the game, I'm exhausted. <laughs> you know, if you did your job right, you have no voice, you know, your hands hurt. Um, but like, I mean when you win it all it's so worth it it's so worth it <laughs> yeah i bet it was were you there oh absolutely <laughs> the final cool oh, yeah. that was great that was down in san diego so i i think that's a beautiful place to um leave it i know you know flight of the knicks we are a very inclusive group we've we've always you know a lot of the people who are at the fringes you know um have kind of found us um uh and little corner of yellow i mean they're 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 always going to be supporting the away team over in uh australia post covid and um so we get it it means a lot to have community um as a as a thing at these matches and um you know, thank you. I know you've been doing this a long time, Jen. I've seen you on Twitter a very long time and you've been through thick and thin, thin with Gotham FC. And again, that was our little adopted team, you know, in the NWSL from the flight of the Knicks. Um, even when you were bad, we adopted. <laughs> we appreciate and, uh, it. And, and, and appreciate your time tonight. It's, 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 it's 11 o'clock at night in uh, New York and we really, really appreciate your time here today. Uh, I just want to thank you so much for having me. Uh, we appreciate your support. Um, love when you pop up in our in our mentions. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a global game, right? Absolutely. Cool. Right. Thank you. So we'll wrap it there. As you, um, once again, as Denise said, thanks to Jean. If you're not wanting to find Cloud9, they, you can have a look either at the Gotham FC site. They have a little link there to the to the to the Cloud9 uh, web page, independent fan group, just because it's on the... Um, also, lots of um, goth, uh, Cloud9 on Twitter. So if, you want to, if you're on Twitter, Cloud9, fantastic people. Um, yeah, we're also all over the place. You'll find us on socials. Just look up Fly the Knicks. We appreciate the time. Jen, we wish you very well, and we also, also wish well to Cloud9 and, and the, uh, the ongoing... Um, contribution and commitment to you know professional women's football in the US. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you all again soon. Happy day.